So if you missed me at the beginning of Mass, my name is Father Alec. I am a priest from Blessed Sacrament who's just filling in today. So this is a, a one-time appearance, but uh, hopefully we'll make it memorable. Um, this reading, Mary and Martha, has always spoken to me in a lot of different ways, but it's always been a special one for me um, because my, Mary, my mother's name is Mary, and she has a twin sister named Martha. And so I always think of the the sibling dynamic in the gospel today between Mary and Martha. And just I imagine what it's like for these two sisters in this moment, not just as individuals, but in dealing with, uh, with each other as siblings. And I think about my own sibling relationships and my own um, parents' kind of intercession on our behalf when things got like this. And I, there, there are other maybe more famous sibling pairs in the gospel, certainly more dramatic you think about Jacob and Esau, you know, the, the trickery and the selling of the birthright. You think of Isaac and Ishmael, who's the real firstborn of those two. You can think about Joseph and his brothers who sold him into slavery because they were jealous of his father's affection for him. Or maybe the, the most famous or the most dramatic, Cain and Abel, of course. Cain killing Abel because he was more pleasing to God. And to be fair, there are good ones too, right? There's, there's James and John and Peter and Andrew, two sets of apostles, who are, both, uh, who are both pairs of siblings as well. So we have all of these, and some are better known and some are lesser known. But I think Mary and Martha are perhaps the most compelling from a sibling perspective, because I think this dynamic that we see today is one that we can relate to most easily. Even in our lowest moments, most of us don't become, you know, fratricidal in our, our opinions of our siblings. So it's this, this more kind of common friction that we're, we're able to sort of relate to. And I think when we see ourselves in this reading, we almost always favor Martha. I think that that is where our minds go. Because who has not had this this experience with your, if you have siblings, you've had this before, where one of you does more than the other and it becomes a point of contention, right? Or, or even if you're not doing more or less, it's you're doing different things and you don't like what you've been given and you want what your sibling has. And we, we hear, we've heard this excuse a thousand times in our lives. If you don't have siblings, visit some siblings, even if they're grown adults and, and witness them long enough and you will find this type of, of, uh, of, of encounter where there's this sort of envy of each other at what they have to do. And so we like Martha because I think genuinely we look at Martha and we say, Martha's doing the work. Martha's serving. Martha's working. Martha's doing what we would expect you to do when a guest shows up, the things that are required to be done. She's a little bit of a tattletale, which doesn't help her too much. But outside of that, She's asking Jesus for something that sounds reasonable. I'm doing the work. Tell my sister to help me. And, and doesn't this appeal to our sense of fairness? And don't we expect Jesus to be fair? And so this may well be a forgotten story in the life of Jesus if we don't get this drama at the end where Jesus clearly, very clearly, tells Martha that Mary is in the right here. And he doesn't just say no. Remember, Martha says you know, I'm burdened with all the serving. And then he de she demands of Jesus, tell Mary to help me. And he doesn't just say no or like go back to work or don't be a tattletale. He says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her, which probably wounded Martha a little bit. It probably 
took her aback with that kind of response. Because here's Jesus, who's calling us always to be fruitful. What did we hear last week in our gospel? The Good Samaritan, right? What do we do when we encounter people who are strangers? We care for them. We bring them to the inn. We pay for their lodging. All these things that are important. That's a parable of Jesus's. And it's not alone. He's constantly telling us, care for your neighbor. What is the, what is the great commandment? The second part of the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And so if they had heard Jesus preaching, Martha probably would have expected this is what we're supposed to be doing. And even if we give them the benefit of the doubt and we say that Mary and, Mary and Martha had never heard Jesus speak before, if they were sort of like pious Jewish people and they knew their Old Testament, what they're going to find is what we read in Genesis today. What happens when the strangers happen upon Abraham? He goes outside and he picks the steer and he tells his servants to slaughter it. He goes to Sarah and says, start making, making dinner because now we have to host our guests. It's very active and it's very sort of frenetic. And they're doing the things that Martha is doing. And so it's so hard so hard to see why she is in the wrong here. Because what it looks like is Mary is just sort of sitting at the feet of Jesus, maybe prayerfully anticipating his presence. We even notice Martha's the one, out, the one who went out and got Jesus. She greeted him at the foot of the city, brings him to their house, and Mary's there, I guess, prayerfully awaiting his, his arrival. I was thinking, you know, imagine that um, you, you task, you go, go out shopping, you task your children with like clean your room or something. You come back and it's not done and they say, oh, we were prayerfully awaiting your return. <laughs> you say to yourself, that's not, a, that's not a real answer. That's an evasion of responsibility, right? And that's, I think, where we come down on Mary. It's an evasion of her responsibility. She's there with Jesus. She doesn't want to help. We want Jesus to say, do it. Okay, so... Here's where things, I think, get a little bit challenging, is we, we think about Mary having chosen the better part, and I think when we hear the better part, we think to ourselves, Mary has chosen the easier and the more enjoyable part. And that's where we sit ourselves. We see one person working hard and one person doing nothing. Mary's chosen the better part and the easier part and the more enjoyable part. And I actually want to offer today that I don't think that this is actually the case. I don't think that Mary's part is necessarily the easier part. And I actually don't think that Mary's part is the part that we want to choose very often, given the choice between the two. I want to give you just sort of like a, a picture of this. Imagine I give you two options. Both are very good things. The first one is that you're going to go on a mission trip to Haiti and you're going to build schools for, for a week, for seven days. You're going to spend your time out there living the gospel, doing the active work. The other one is you're going to go to a monastery for a week in silence and spend several hours a day in prayer. Both are good. Which one would you rather do? I can't speak for any of you, but my overall impression is the thought is I would take the first not because I expect that it's going to be easier or like less physically strenuous than the second, but the first is a known quantity. The first is going and working and caring for other people, which is something that even if I have the worst time, even if I get sick and it's not fun and the people aren't grateful at all, I still feel good about myself. I still feel like I've accomplished something. 
I've still put, put forth my best effort, and I can tell my friends back home, you know, not that I would do that, but I can tell my friends back home, look what we accomplished. Look at all the good things that we did. In the second one, what is entered into the picture? All of these possibilities of things that we don't want to really deal with, which is the possibility of what? Of awkwardness, not knowing what to do in that relationship, of silence, of Jesus not being there, not speaking with us, of that sense of uneasiness or misunderstanding, not knowing what we're supposed to say or do or act. Or even worse, if we do have these moments of, of connection with Jesus, what, what is then on the table is vulnerability and intimacy and really the, the, the invitation for us to change our lives because we're starting to realize how much Jesus wants from us, how important and how deep this relationship is. Because fundamentally, this relationship with Jesus is not that different than any other relationship that we have. And relationships begin to get the most difficult when they move from the Martha stage into the Mary stage. The early part of any relationship can be filled with grand gestures of romance and and nice things that you do, and that's wonderful, but if you can never transition from doing nice things to someone to being able to spend time with them in an intimate way and loving and caring for them, then you don't have a real relationship. You have a surface-level relationship that's built on things. It's built on stuff. It's built on even gestures. And the same thing if you are caring for your children or children loving your parents. It can be so much easier for us to what? To, To work and supply and do all the things that we have to do for our kids. Super important. Never, ever undervalue that. The hard work that goes into it is incredible. But sometimes that can start to take precedence over what? Intimate, caring, quality time. That's the way we love our children, by doing these things instead of entering into these relationships. Same thing with kids. How do I show my dad I love him? Buy him a grill for Father's Day or something. Would you rather, would you rather do that or, or go on vacation for a weekend? Spend one of your weekends with you know, mom and dad at the lake house and sort of, sort of getting to know them better. It's a difficult proposition for us to follow through on because that intimacy, that vulnerability, that closeness of relationship is actually very difficult. It's very difficult for us to go outside of ourselves and to truly offer ourselves in love to another person. And it's going to be even more so with Jesus. Because what is Jesus asking for in our lives? He's not asking for anything except for our whole heart, our whole strength, our whole being, our whole life. When we think about his commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves, what comes before that? Love God with all your heart, your strength, your spirit, and your life. Love God with everything. And if we can't quite enter into that relationship, if we can't quite ask God what it is that he needs for us, what kind of transformations are needed in our life, if we're not willing to put ourselves in that position to have that real relationship, then we aren't living the true fullness of Christian disciples. And so when I think about Mary and Martha, I can think about Martha in my own life. Martha is working hard, and Martha is doing good things, and Martha in many respects is living the ideal of what a Christian disciple should. But in constantly doing that work, you can imagine yourself at a party, constantly doing that work, she maintains a healthy distance from any intimacy with Jesus. She's serving, she's not talking, she's not sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And Mary, as wonderful as that may be, is now subject to what? This exposure. Jesus knows more about Mary. He knows her her failings and her weaknesses. And he can tell Mary, this is what I need you to do. There's a story about the the great 
um, British author Graham Greene, who kind of famously was, was living a life of kind of not very good Catholicism. He was a convert, but he never really wanted to change his ways. And Padre Pio, who was one of the great saints of the 20th century, wanted to meet Graham Greene because he liked his writing so much. And so they sent emissary up to him and said, Padre Pio would like to meet you, which sounds like a great opportunity. He was touring the Amalfi Coast or something with his mistress or something like that. And he said, no. He said, no, I don't want to meet Padre Pio because he said, if I, I know that if I meet Padre Pio, if I get to know this holy man, I'm going to have to change the way that I live. That's a true story. I'm dead serious. If I meet this holy man, it's going to change who I am. I'm not going to be able to live as I want to live anymore. And I think this is where we start to encounter the danger of intimacy with Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, we never for a split second should think that Martha is not doing good today. Martha is doing good. And our efforts at serving and giving and caring for all of those that we serve and give and care to is, are wonderful, are necessary. That's, that's part of loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's part of our Christian vocation. But if what that does is keeps us at a healthy distance from Jesus, if we don't come here and try to learn about Jesus, try to love Jesus, try to open our hearts to Jesus, ask him to be a part of our life and see how he wants us to transform and see where he wants us to be in our life, then we aren't fulfilling what Christ commands us to do, which is loving God with all our strength, with all our heart, with all our mind. And if we ever think that it's going to inhibit our capacity to serve by loving Jesus, it will be the opposite. The way that we will serve the best and the most strongly and the most perfectly is in having that relationship with Jesus. And so for all of the efforts that everyone puts forth, and I see them, and I'm always so inspired by what our, uh, our Christian community is capable of, keep those going. Keep being Martha in that respect. Realize the importance of that. But always be willing to check yourself and say, where is Mary in my life? And if she doesn't exist, it's not because it's the easier part. It's because it's the more difficult part for us to be Mary in the church so often. But the silver lining, Jesus tells us today, it may be more difficult, maybe more taxing, it may require more of us to give in this way, but it truly is the better part, the better part of sharing your life with Jesus, which is what we're made for, what our lives are all about. So we want to have a healthy dose of Martha, healthy dose of Martha in our life, but it's so important that we never forget that the challenge that is presented us by that spiritual closeness, that intimacy, that merry moment in our life, something that has to always be there, always part of our Christian life, always leading us forward to follow Christ and to do the things that he commands.